Welcome to Queer Icons, where we cover and discuss an important figure to the LGBT plus community and give our thoughts on why they resonate with the queer community. Nico, how are you doing this week? Great, Matthew. Thank you for asking. Still recovering from Memorial Weekend in Pensacola. Uh, we went to, and my legs especially are recovering. I felt like for three days... Oh, yeah. I was doing leg day every day. <laughs> yes, my Whoa. calves were so <laughs> sore, especially Monday morning when we left. Ooh, See, they were... <laughs> mine was Sunday night. Monday morning were a little bit better, but I was supposed to unpack when we arrived on Monday back home, and I just took a nap. Yeah. Woke up, ate something, and then slept again. <laughs> that was sad. That was the rest of it. But yeah, no, it was such a lovely vacation. And we didn't really do anything too crazy. It was just like no. being at the sun and walking that sand for so much every right. day. That was great cardio. <laughs> and on Sunday, I think we like walked it like three times. Yes, yes. Uh, yeah, Pensacola was a lot of fun. I ended up gaining a lot of weight, but that's because I allow myself like to just cheat on vacations. So I'll eat like all the candy and stuff at the house. <laughs> it was all those Twizzlers. Yes. <laughs> I'm still disappointed we didn't get seafood, but that's partly my own fault. We got barbecue, which I love, okay. so I wasn't complaining. Yeah, I was very but happy we were in a it. seafood place, and we never got <laughs> any seafood. Um, but... Yeah, we had planned to go out to eat on Sunday, but of course, I feel like everybody's tired and exhausted on Sunday, so like the whole island is getting going out to dinner that day. Mm -hmm. So I feel like next time mm -hmm. we'll probably plan to go out to eat like the first night. So yeah. Kind of. When we're all fresh. And yeah, excited. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and when nobody else is, you know, out there eating. Yeah, those waiting lists at the restaurants were exciting. Yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> And it was just, like, so much fun hanging out with, like, friends. We had, like, what, 10 people in our tent area. Yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. And it was it was such a natural way. We really weren't too concerned about the pandemic because I think almost everybody in our group was vaccinated. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, it was an outdoor event, so it was a little more spread out. Yes, absolutely. And I remember just, like, even while we were walking down the beach, you know, nothing was as insane as it had been in years past and i kind of expected people to go a little crazier a little. <laughs> but i was happy i mean there were a couple tents that, that yeah were, there were a couple of tents. that were intense mm -hmm. but beyond that it just i remember previous years you could like i mean like almost every tent that was every two or three tents was doing insane stuff <laughs> it was well it's just like the first time during the pandemic that they're doing the event right so i guess not everyone oh yeah well i feel like everybody kind of just like yeah i think everybody probably is still a little shy about um personal contact with strangers and stuff so i don't know i got examples of both cases just oh, yes. i mean i do <laughs> Like I said, some <laughs> some of them still went crazy. But the, the fact that it was like at the beach, outdoors, uh, I was fine. Yeah. Also, yeah. I'm vaccinated, so right. it, was, it was okay by me. Right. I was more excited about swimming, and I know, and that was a lot was, of fun. And yeah. the water was so beautiful water on Sunday; clear. it yeah. was like clear as anything. So I've gone to the Emerald Coast several times, and this trip Sunday morning. And 
afternoon. It was when it was clear. Yeah. And that emerald green that everyone was talking about, I was like, oh, now I get it. <laughs> now, now I understand. I get it. It's like the first time in the States that the the water of the ocean, granted it's a gulf, but like reminding me of Greece. Yeah. And that's what I was mostly like excited about. It's exciting. Mm-hmm. So what is queer as fuck this week? So this week marks the start of Pride Month and I'm very, very excited about it. Um, Pensacola kind of like started it all. Right. And I was talking uh, to several people in, in our group and essentially, you know, that whole island gets taken over by queer people for the weekend and it provides this sort of safety and comfort and easiness that you don't really get outside in the normal world. Right. And I feel in that perspective, the month of June kind of provides that yeah. <laughs> for us. So we get this our superpowers. <laughs> superpowers, I love it. Yeah, and I mean, just heading back to the Pensacola thing, mm-hmm. the first year I went, I remember just being in so much awe because I had, I grew up in, in a coastal town and mm-hmm. my relatives also live in coastal towns. And so I had been to beach parties. Yeah. Like major, like huge beach parties like that before, but they were all straight events. Mm. And so they were always fun, but they were always straight events. And this was, the, I mean, the first time I went to this was like five or six years ago to Pensacola. Yeah. And that was the first time I went and I was like, oh my God, like what I've always kind of like had in my head of wanting what actually existed. And so I was like, yes. yes. The, the only <laughs> other place that I had experienced that was me yeah um going there like as as a teenager and you see that and even though i wasn't out or fully understanding necessarily my first time there somehow i feel more comfortable and safer yeah. <laughs> around you <laughs> so mine sticking to the water theme you know karma kicks off pride right yes <laughs> and i saw this a little news article. The one I'm referencing now is from Pink News, but I saw it in a couple places. I yeah, saw it in so stories it on like Instagram and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. it's not strictly from them, but there was this gay voter and he had his pride flags on his boat. And these straight anti-gay people like circled the boat a couple times. So they were like, harassing them. Yeah, they, yeah, and like flicking them off and then they moved on. So I guess, you know, it didn't get too intense, but still that's quite, yeah, that's quite aggressive. And then it, it looks like about like 20, 30 minutes later, they're boating around and the same boat has like caught on fire. The like, and people and in they're the, the closest boat. <laughs> so they had to like bring those people onto their boat to like save them. <laughs> They had to be rescued by the people. By the gay people that they had been flicking <laughs> off and harassing. And I did watch a couple of the videos. They still didn't have kind things. Like, the gay people did not have kind things to say about their... So it was not completely, but, you know, at least they were good enough to save them. <laughs> yes. <laughs> to bring them on their boat until the police got there mm. and, like, took them off to the other one. But anyway... <laughs> That's my queer as fuck this week. Divine uh, intervention. Yes. (laughs) 
So guys, don't forget, if you are enjoying listening to us talk about all sorts of topics and want to support us for Pride Month, make sure to shoot us a review and definitely subscribe and listen to us every time we drop a podcast episode. You can also email us at QueerIconsPodcast at gmail.com. Please send us any questions or comments. So, Nico, this week we are covering Robert Maplethorpe, Maplethorpe, (laughs) who is a photographer. And we're just going to kind of cover our initial thoughts on him and then we'll go into the actual cover yeah i was i was very excited when you know we we put him on our list of like potential uh people to cover for this podcast uh my first introduction to my before was in art class back in high school and a friend of mine chose one of his male nudes as her essay topic and i was completely blown away by how it reminded me of classical greek sculptures yet it was modern art. So it kind of like that imagery really stuck with me. And then when I was studying art history in New York City during my college years, I chose him as my essay topic for the class that I was taking. And so I needed resources. I went to uh, the New York Public Library, got myself a card. Just looking at this, it's a beautiful building. Highly recommend anyone that visits New York to go in. And I got a pile of his books for my research. I found myself a little nook. And the first book, I opened it. And it just, like, the page that it opened to was a self-portrait of his that I had not seen before, where he had a bullwhip sticking out of his anus, and he was looking <laughs> at, directly at the camera. And I was shocked and mortified. I probably turned red because I was surrounded by all these, like, older people that right. <laughs> are very quiet and I'm like this <gasps> is <laughs> like what why did I get myself into I had no idea that this existed uh, so at that point I knew it was going to be a challenging and unusual essay but so fantastic and I had so much fun with it <laughs> yeah. so yeah and I felt like it was quite appropriate being in New York and then covering him yeah what was, do you remember what was like your first approach for the artist? So I actually don't because I had never really like studied photography or mm-hmm. art that deeply. And I just remember you showing me a couple pictures of his or a couple photographs of his a couple weeks ago when we had decided to cover him. And I was like, oh, I know this one. And then it would be like a few more pages. I'd be like, oh, I know that one. So it's definitely work I had seen. And I think a lot of people would be actually familiar with a handful of his photographs just because like they were more mainstream. Mm-hmm. But I had no familiarity with the artist at all or his other surprising works. <laughs> yeah, it's quite surprising. Um, yeah, while, while I was in New York, I was so inspired by him that I went to, I think it was the Strand, it was just, it's a giant bookstore in Manhattan, and I got this giant book that it's almost like a piece of furniture right. <laughs> of, of his work. I was like so excited, and it has been one of my favorite, you know, coffee table books to have even though I don't always put it out because it does have a lot of risque right. photography. Yeah. So he was born Robert Michael Maplethorpe on November the 4th in 1946. 
He did pass away March 9th, 1989. He grew up Catholic, had five siblings, including his brother Edward, who became his assistant, and later a photographer himself. Maplethorpe studied at Pratt Institute in New York, pursuing a degree in the graphic arts, yet dropped out in 1969. So we see that that is a very important date because that's when the Stonewall riots happened. And that had a great influence in almost every LGBT person, especially living in, in New York at the time. Right. And artists. So he started living with a musician and poet, Patti Smith, who was his girlfriend from 1967 to 1972. She supported him, and they created art together and remained long-term close friends. Initially, his art was assemblage constructions of photography taken from porn magazines combined with objects and painting. He eventually started photographing his subjects himself instead of relying on found photos. So it's so much better than going scavenging for your resources. Like, I might as well take my own picture. Right. (laughs) In 1972, he met Sam Wagstaff, who was an art curator, and he became his mentor, his patron, and also lover. By the mid-1970s, Maplethorpe was photographing his friends and social circle, which included other artists and socialites. During that time, he befriended photographer George Giroux, who had a great impact on Maplethorpe's art. So people look up George Giroux. I was actually not familiar with him mm-hmm. very much. And it's, again, one of, I think he was like a New Orleans artist, if I'm not mistaken. His photographs are amazing as well. And I definitely saw the connection. In 1977, he became lovers with uh, writer Jack uh, Fritzer, who introduced him to the Mineshaft BDSM and gay leather bar in Manhattan. And Maplethorpe became the club's official photographer and recorded the city's gay BDSM lifestyle. So we're already seeing how he started kind of carving his own niche market. Right. Covering that subculture that was very, very different. But if had it not been for the Stonewall riots and the gay liberation movement, it really would probably not be so possible to do right. that. And people were, like, really seeking him out to, like, be, to photograph them. By the 1980s, his subject matter included nudes influenced by ancient sculptures. He was inspired by classical art and gods like Apollo and Dionysus, who are both queer icons themselves. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if we should cover in the podcast, like, ancient gods yeah, and queer icons. icons. <laughs> Queer Rome and Greece really were. Oh, extremely, yes. <laughs> <laughs> His personal work tried the line between pornography and high art. It was elegant yet provocative. So I think that's was so attractive about it, that, that kind of duality. A lot of his erotic uh, imagery would arouse the viewer and create a sort of dark excitement, especially since he covered that bondage area and eroticism and in the end like in retrospect he was truly functioning as a documentarian of this subculture of new york at the time that was so so prominent through his photographs he explored his sexual expression of course his homosexuality 
masculine and feminine aesthetics and roles. He did take a lot of self-portraits and various outfits from dressing up in leather gear and being super hyper-masculine and butch to dressing up in effeminate clothes as well. So we see how he played with those gender roles. Right. Um, and uh, he's the eighties loved androgyny anyway. So. They did. They really, <laughs> they really, really did. I, I think the eighties did love a lot of extremes in either direction. Right. You see that. And uh, in his photographs, we often uh, see like religious elements. He did grow up religious, and he really unapologetically blended them with sensual and provocative imagery. So, yes, he. He took, it was, some of the pictures uh, had almost a ceremonious look into them. That I right. And, and you can tell what, like, he was referencing. So he he knew his history, <laughs> for sure. Now, besides his erotic work, he also became renowned as a portraitist for celebrities and fellow artists. He created the cover for the debut album named Horses for Patti Smith which was a phenomenal album. Whoever is not familiar with Patti Smith, just listen to that album. It's phenomenal. He was sought after for being a master in grayscale and black and white pictures, which was truly most of his subject matter. I don't think he really explored color until like the end of his life, if I remember correctly. So he gained tremendous respect for his ability to capture shadow and light with such rich tones. Another frequent subject matter in his work were the still lifes, which span from sculptures to a variety of flowers, most notably orchids and calla lilies. And we can still see, even though it's a still life, it's a flower, it is still the genitals of a plant. It is still like, right. still that eroticism <laughs> in it. Now, due to the subject matter of his work, he could really not avoid controversy from the religious right. His photographs were subjected to censorship as they were considered obscene and gained national attention about the issues of public funding of the arts. His sadomasochistic themes and homoeroticism created uh, such a reaction from the conservative right that actually you know, produced more publicity for his art, as it always does, I right. feel. Because then people would be aroused and intrigued and they would go to the exhibitions yeah. and the shows and buy his art. And yeah. Yeah, so. I fall victim to that. Like if I read something like negative or extreme about something, I'm more likely to check it out. than Yeah, like, I, had, I, absolutely. Had you just said, eh, it's okay. Then I probably would have moved on with my life. But yeah, so very like being like, I was the worst. It was terrible. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm more likely to go do it. I'm more likely to go see it. <laughs> And I do remember, I do forget the artist right now, but it was a very controversial piece of work. And I was a teenager, I was in high school. And they there was a huge debate about whether they were going to show it in Greece or not. And I was so excited about it. I was like, had, they, had the news not covered it, that it right. was controversial, I would not have known. <laughs> um, so it kind of worked like that. Now, he did create uh, the exhibit Black Males, an accompanying book, which focused on phallocentric and sculptural erotic depictions of black men 
And he was accused of being exploitative and sexualizing or fetishizing them within the gay community. So, again, he was not without controversy. And looking at the pictures, I can kind of see that. Right. he really did prefer, from what I saw, uh, black male models. Now, as working in black and white and grayscale, I, I did, during one of the interviews, like, I saw that he, he, he wanted to get the, like, deep, rich tone right. on the skin. So, as an artist, I get it. But then again, there's also the positions. Exactly. And always the historical context behind the subject matter. Yes. Yes. Because he, he was truly in love with, like, very sculptural bodies, like, very athletic bodies, like, Lisa Leone, the famous female bodybuilder, he took like 150 pictures of her and then created a book for her. And amazing. Like, it, yeah. was, it was insane. So, you know, again, very few artists have avoided controversy and negative criticism right. in, in their art, as influential as they may be. Robert did die from AIDS complications in Boston at the young age of 42. Before his death, he had established the Robert Maplethorpe Foundation. And on the foundation's page, it was to become the appropriate vehicle to protect his art, to advance his creative visions, and to promote the causes he cared about. The foundation has not only promoted his work, but also has donated and raised millions of dollars for HIV medical research, which I thought that was wonderful. Right. You know, through through my research, like I have been to New York many, many times and I've seen a lot of his work up there. The Guggenheim had a wonderful exhibition back in 2019, which was also the 50 years of the Stonewall riots and it was World Pride. Right. And I felt that was very <laughs> appropriate to, to go see his exhibition. And if you are ever having an opportunity to because his work is like internationally renowned now and it's all over the place go look at these photographs there are it's a different thing seeing them in a book or seeing them online but going through a gallery and having that those stories like being curated right and seeing those almost pornographic imagery in a museum it, it, it's a mindfuck. It yeah. really, it really, I was like, oh my God, this is, but it's, it's considered like this little time capsule really of New York in the seventies and eighties that like you focus so much on. Patty Smith did write a memoir in 2010 called Just Kids. It was documenting her relationship with Robert. And she said, I didn't write it to be cathartic. I wrote it because Robert asked me to. Our relationship was such that I knew what he would want and the quality of what he deserved. So that was my agenda for writing that book. I wrote it to fulfill my vow to him, which was on his deathbed. In finishing, I did feel that I'd fulfill my promise. Another person that... I mean, I have such huge respect for Patti Smith. I... Got to find out about her during my teenage years, which is usually when you're really into rock music. Right, and exactly. And all that. But then when I found out more, you know, watching her interviews and 
like the way she expresses herself. I was like, wow, this is like truly an artist through and through. Like, um, so one can only really imagine how these two people function together. If you're into reading, Just Kids is a great example. Another one will be Maplethorpe Biography by Patricia Morris Rowe. Also on a audiovisual subject, right. Black, White, and Gray, A Portrait of Sam Wagstaff and Robert Maplethorpe, which is a 2007 documentary. Maplethorpe, Look at the Pictures, a 2016 documentary. I've seen that one. And lastly, Maplethorpe, a 2018 biopic starring Matt Smith, which I did watch at the Atlanta LGBT Film Festival. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, a few years ago. Yeah, when when it aired. Yeah, it was it was beautiful. They had a speaker at the end that was answering questions about Maplethorpe because they knew him. And it was such a wonderful experience. And the way that they presented the movie, it was really cool to kind of right. immerse yourself into that artist subculture of New York at the time. Film festivals are always such an interesting way to like see movies because a lot of times they will have like kind of question and answer afterwards. Yes. And like you get to find out more about the movie than just like going to see it or oh, do your own research yeah. when you get home. You get like a first yeah. person account of events. Right. Either the creation of the movie or the subject matter. Right. When I when I was when I was in college we did we, we have a huge film festival in Savannah and Obviously, we, we do get a lot of celebrities, but we did get Ian McKellen one year. Oh, wow. Speaking about gay icons. Right. <laughs> and I watched uh, one of his older films, which was about uh, the gay director that did Frankenstein in the Golden Age of Hollywood. Well, is his last name. I forget his first name. But anyway, Ian McKellen played that character. I had seen the movie before. It's an excellent film. It's called Gods and Monsters. And then I do remember, though, instead of asking Ian McKellen questions about that movie, everyone was asking Lord of the Rings. Right, I was about to say, Lord of the Rings. I was so disappointed. Excuse me. (laughs) And then you can always argue, well, why didn't you ask any questions? Well, I was starstruck because I was sorry, Ian McKellen. (laughs) Don't do that. I couldn't ask him anything. (laughs) All right. So what was the favorite thing you learned about our icon, Robert Maplethorpe, today? Probably how much he was inspired from classical sculptures and bringing that aesthetic in contemporary times Mm -hmm. through such a vastly different art medium. Because truly, his his photographs, the, the people depicted in, really look like classical sculptures. It's amazing. Right. And that's where you get, again, that huge respect of the tonal qualities yeah. uh, that he did. So, yeah, no, he very soon became my, one of my favorite photographers. And granted, I am biased because being Greek, I was raised <laughs> going to museums and seeing those classical sculptures. So every time they're referenced in another medium, somehow I'm just right. very excited about that. <laughs> Um, yeah, I definitely, I mean, what I learned, took away from um, this was actually his visual work. So in obviously researching him, I saw like a lot more of his photographs mm-hmm. and just 
the boundaries he was willing to push and the fact that like even when he's photographing different types of subjects such as like the flowers and the bdsm shoots he has like a recognizable style or way he shoots it so like you can tell they're both by him Mm -hmm. they're somehow similar enough that you can see it even when it's two completely different things yeah and that's why he was so respected and he became so popular during his lifetime. You know, right. He did achieve it. He came from nothing to right. quite a lot of something. Yeah. Um, and it, it was a, he was indeed a very accomplished photographer. And the way that he treated his photographs, the compositions, the, the production of it was, was insane. Now, of course, he did have assistants, like his own studio. Right. And everything was more like controlled in his studio so he could really really capture right um, exactly what those compositions and then i love that he took subjects where one of the first things you think of is colors and shot them in black and white right yeah like took away that you know that aspect they're still rich enough oh yeah no i mean it didn't take away from the photograph but he took away that kind of Mm -hmm. aspect that like you initially think of when when you think of it and so yeah that's kind of cool yeah very very true so why does robert might resonate with the queer community so even though he wasn't really an activist himself he just kind of he's one of our examples that we're covering that just by living his life right just by doing his work doing his work and all that that's and producing this work that's really what resonates with the queer community and I'm going to circle back again to the Stonewall riots in 69. They did lead to this gay liberation movement. And Maplethorpe was an artist that captured the zeitgeist, like many, many others, like Keith Haring, uh, Jean-Michel Basquet, and Andy Warhol, all, all these and so many, many more right. LGBT artists that worked in the 70s and 80s in New York City that were really, really benefiting. Right. from that movement and they were able to capture without any shame homoeroticism whether it was erotic whether it was romantic whether it was familial ties because we all know about chosen families right and stuff and <laughs> it, it, it was, and, and you know and then the when he did the portraits of a lot of like gay icons himself you know mm-hmm. that he captured so him being functioning almost like a a documentary of this subculture. And he brought it to the mainstream where it was viewed as a respectable subject matter, like a fine art, but it was depictions of BDSM, which was a very taboo subject to cover. And we do know that because of the AIDS epidemic, BDSM really, and, and fetishes and kinks rose because a lot of people couldn't really have penetrative sex anymore. Right. So they had to find other outlets. So that's why that industry, not industry, aspect. <laughs> right. Subculture. Subculture really, really rose. Well, one of the reasons. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, sadly, he was one of the multiple casualties of the AIDS uh, epidemic. And in the end, you know, his death is yet another... A reminder of how cruel the fate of his generation was. Definitely. Yeah. For sure. 
So this was Robert Maplethorpe. I hope you all were inspired. Go watch the movie with Matt Smith. Honestly, he does a very good job of training him. I really enjoyed it. Right. And that would be a good introduction to his work. Look at the paintings. Now that now that the world is reopening and museums and galleries, like see where his exhibitions are. Right. You know? Go get some culture. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening, everyone. <laughs>